Welcome back to the Aspire Podcast. We're here again in the journal stack room at Sydney Missionary and Bible College. I've got with me Dave from Tasmania. Welcome, Dave. Thanks, mate. It's good to be here. Mate, so excited that you've come on the Aspire Podcast. Dave is one of my favourite people at SMBC. Sorry to those who are at SMBC who are listening, but genuinely is. Play touch with you, mate, regularly. Love a gander with you, so I'm really excited to hear your story and for you to encourage others. Yeah, man. It's going to be great. So you are a Tasmanian, as I said at the start. Tell us what it was like growing up in Tassie, in the south of Hobart. You described it to me as the sleepy and slow area. Interesting. Tell me more. Yeah, Tassie's a pretty slow place at times. We um, we love our summer, but winter gets pretty dark and cold, and we got short days and um, kind of things shut down a little bit. Um, and yeah, there's some things that the mainland has that Tassie's still missing out on. We got no Krispy Kreme, got no Aldi, <laughs> so stuff. Uh, yeah, no Krispy Kreme. No Krispy Kreme. Oh. Yeah, that's they say you can spot the Tasmanian at the airport because he's got a box of Krispy Kremes. Um, yeah, no. So things move a little slower down there, and um, but it's not to say there's not good churches. We had heaps of um, pretty solid churches around when I was growing up, and still today, and. Um, yeah, pretty cool history of church planting in the 90s and 1000s. Um, so there's lots of kind of smaller churches um, that are really keen to grow and keen to keen to see new people come to know Jesus. Mm, yeah, so good. So you grew up in a Reformed church in Tassie and were around church a fair bit. Parents were believers. But when you were 13, something happened. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. So I I didn't have one of those kind of wander away from the faith moments. But when I was thirteen, I had a pretty um, pretty clear moment. I remember just yakking with my dad and saying, "Dad, how do you know God's real? Mm. And and how do you how are you sure of this?" Um, and he kind of said, I, "I I know because I believe the Bible and." but I do also just know it's the inward witness of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm. So um, so that night, Dad just prayed for me. He said, would you like me to pray that you would know this too? And, and I said, yeah, definitely. And kind of woke up the next morning after I'd gone to bed. I didn't feel any different. Um, but then within within a week or so, I was like, actually, no, I'm, I'm certain that God is real. Mm. Um and the life that I'd been raised in made sense. Um, and I thought the way of the Christian Christians lived seemed to be a good way to live. And mm. so from that point when I was, yeah, 13, I was kind of like, all right, I'm in. Mm. Just kind of went for it. Mate, so good, so good. You then had a, an interesting time between 13 to 18 where you had some pretty tough stuff happen with some of your mates at church, some of the people who were around with you in the faith, what happened? Yeah, yeah. So I was in junior youth group, grade kind of five, six, seven. We had a massive crew. Like we had like uh, 15 to 20 kids, which in Tassie, it was a big crew. Uh, and we, yeah, we were kind of all studying the Bible together and hanging out and be at church on a Sunday. But as, as kind of we got older and older, those guys who'd been kind of putting up, keeping up appearances for the sake of their parents um, kind of stopped bothering and mm. they, they decided they didn't really want to be Christians anymore. 
um, the people who'd been coming along to youth group just just to hang out started having better places to hang out on a Friday mm. night than at church playing games with 13 year olds mm. so yeah so I'll, I went from being one of about 15 or 20 kids in my year group to being the only graduating year 12 who was kind of a prospect for leading the next year mm. and that was um, pretty gnarly really to go from a big group to no one else really believes this stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it was it was hard, um, but my I didn't call my own faith into question. But as I looked around, I thought, oh, this is yeah, this Christian faith thing is something that people will take or leave um, mm. if they want to live this way or not. Mm. Yeah, I imagine that would be quite isolating as well, particularly in a smaller part of Tassie, or maybe not a small part of Tassie, but just Tassie in general being smaller, just feeling like you're not really having that much support around you, that must have been a bit tricky. Yeah, yeah. And I found myself kind of clinging to my youth leaders. A lot of my Christian peers still today are a fair bit older than me. Mm. Um, and, yeah, became good mates with some older fellas, which was really good for me and got had a really great mentor. Um, but, yeah, you're just looking around going, oh, am I the only one kind of doing this? Mm. Um, and I remember going to, like, a youth conference for the first time and there was people my age and it just blew me out. I was like, yes, we're on, <laughs> we're on here. We're on about the same thing. And there, there is people that believe this. But yeah, look, um, I was the only guy in my friend group who would, who would be committed to leading youth on a, on a Friday night. And so when they all hung out on a Friday night, um, I couldn't be there till kind of late. So I'd miss out if they're having dinner together. And I was the only one going to church on a Sunday morning. So on a Saturday night when they all wanted to hang out um, and start late, well, I was due at 8.30 at church the next morning Mm. to play guitar. So I was leaving early, always arriving late or leaving early when we were hanging out. And Mm. so, yeah, it was a bit isolating and I had to work to, yeah, to keep those friendships up. Mm. I imagine a season where that resiliency was being built in your faith well uh, in a pretty unique way potentially for the rest of your life you then jumped into a science degree doing zoology botany nice that, that makes sense having known you for what a couple months now at college that you do that and you did some lay ministry on the side but then in the last year of your science degree you kind of had a couple of pivotal conversations what was that conversation yeah, yeah. So I loved my uni degree, and I, I did a um, yeah, I did a, an undergrad in science, and, I, and my hope was to be a high school science teacher um, because I loved my science teachers when I was in school, and I loved science. So that's what I wanted to do. Um, and over the course of my degree, as I got more involved in lay ministry, I just started to kind of love youth leading, and I really love being part of the band at church. Um, but yeah, so towards the end, um, I was um, in my final year of study um, in my undergrad and I just got engaged and we, we were planning to get married at the end of 2017, it was. And I was saying to my youth minister, who's also like a mentor to me, I said, oh, next year, um, Caitlin, that's my now wife, Caitlin and I are going to be living together, we can do whatever we want, we could go somewhere, my degree is going to be finished so we might travel for a year. Um, we might move into state, 
the world is kind of our oyster, you know. And for Tasmania, the world meaning, well, maybe we could possibly move to the no, mainland. No, <laughs> maybe. Uh, anyway, so is that like, not an ultimate betrayal to, to oh, Tassies? Yeah, yeah. You move to the mainland for a couple of years and move back when you can't hack it. Yeah, <laughs> move back to Tassie. No, look, uh, yeah, the mainland was far afield for us, and we and we were kind of thinking outside of the box a bit. Hmm. We were just like, oh, what are we going to do? Could do anything. And he said in that moment. Um, pretty pointedly, well, why don't you think about doing MTS? You're already pretty involved in church, and I think this is something you could do well. And, well, we were driving to go surfing when he said that, and, and the, the car went pretty quiet. <laughs> and I was kind of like, well, why would I do that? No way. Um, and he didn't say anything. He didn't put any pressure on. Uh, six months later, though, um, I was the one who came to him and said, hey, can we chat about MTS? Can we chat about what that might look like? Because... Over that time, I think God had used that one pointed question just to go, oh, maybe this is something you should do, Dave. Mm. Maybe this is where a need is, and maybe this would be a, a good thing for you to jump into. Mm. So an MTS is a ministry trainee apprenticeship. That's basically what it stands for, right, for those people who are listening here. On in Australia, it's something that's, I guess, fairly common for what people do on, on the way to vocational ministry. But you usually did that thinking that you're going to be a teacher afterwards, right? So what happened on the way, thinking at first, oh, no, I'm going to go back into science. How did you then end up, oh, actually, no, I think I want to do something in vocational ministry. Yeah, well, classic, isn't it? Like I, I got to the end of, uh, of my undergrad and I was like, man, I've had enough of study for a while. I've got, to do another, I've got to do a master's, but I need a break. What am I going to do? Uh, and MTS kind of ticked that box as well. It was kind of interesting, interesting and exciting and new. So jumped into it, but pretty adamant that um, that I wasn't going to stay in church ministry. And when I'd tell people that I'm doing a traineeship at church, but I'm not going to be a minister, they kind of gave me this knowing look, like, oh, okay, well, we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> like, because, yeah, so the, the people who knew me were kind of like, oh, well, all right, we'll see how you go. And, you know, you can, um, yeah, see, see where MTS takes you and then, and then it'll equip you for, for ministry for the rest of your life regardless of what you do but I yeah I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the work of MTS but we went to an MTS conference Mm. um, at the start of my second year and there was this guy who I had a conversation with him and we just had a spare half an hour in the conference and someone had asked him have you got any advice for us as MTSs and and what he said then gave me a paradigm shift in in ministry that actually opened the door to me thinking about seriously doing this for the rest of my life. Mm. And what what he said was, you guys, you're not managers of ministries. Mm. Uh, Instead, you're shepherds of God's individual sheep. And as you run these ministries that you're running, as you run them, you've got to be pushing individual sheep forward. And if your ministries are running for some other purpose, if they're not pushing sheep forward, Mm. well, then you've got to be thinking about what you're doing because it's about introducing people to Jesus. It's about helping them home to heaven. So mm. that that started to be, for me, thinking, oh, well, it's not actually about being a manager. It's not about ticking boxes and running a great youth ministry, although they part, they're part, that's part of the job. It was more about, oh, how can I help this person to know Jesus and, and to come to him in times of trouble to help them in their journey? Mm. And that became something I thought, I think I can do this. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
something that we didn't necessarily talk about offline is the fact that in Tassie, you've mentioned to me before, there just isn't a huge crop of younger leaders coming through. And I guess you inferred that in your story of a bunch of people not really being around in the faith anymore in high school. Was that part of it as well, just seeing the need for future leaders? And you thought, you know what? I think I could do that. Yeah, yeah. You kind of get a bit more self-aware as, as you get a bit older. And we're in, in the Reformed churches, um, the church in Kingston where I've come from is one of the bigger churches um, in the denomination. And I, I, I remember looking around one Sunday and thinking, I am minister's kind of kind of old. He's probably 30. <laughs> He's probably 30. 30. And I was like 18. <laughs> uh, now I'm halfway to, nearly there to 30. But look... Anyway, I was looking and I thought, well, he's kind of old. Who's going to be the next person? Hmm. And I'm looking around and I'm going, if it's not me, who's it going to be? Hmm. And by God's grace, we've actually got a pretty awesome crop coming through now of, of potential ministers in Tassie. Some really, um, yeah, really strong crew coming through, which is great. Hmm. Um, but that was definite thing to think, hey, I'm part of one of the bigger churches in the denomination if it's not me, who's it going to be? Mm. Yeah. I love that, mate, so much because I, I still think that case, that, that's true for a lot of the churches all across Australia. There is such a leadership gap there and there is such a need for more people to, to come through what people are calling the leadership pipeline. So we need more people like you, so I just think that's super encouraging. So you decided, all right, I'm going to go into vocational ministry after your MTS and instead of being a teacher, even though knowing you... You'd be a really good teacher as well, right? And that'd be a good thing and noble thing to do. But you decided to go to Vox Ministry. How did you then know what to do after that? What, how, what did you decide? What, what were you thinking? Was um, theological education something you then wanted to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, at the end of MTS, um, a, an opportunity arose um, when my, um, our, youth, our youth minister headed on to have what was going to originally be a year off and serving at a different church for a year. Mm. Um, and there was suddenly this staffing issue at, at our church, Kingston, um, which I could jump into at the end of MTS. And they kept me on staff, which was which is pretty great. Um, and I loved then, after being trained for a, for a couple of years, to jump into a bit more responsibility. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so I was kind of filling that hole for a year. And then one year became two years um, because um, that youth that youth pastor decided to stay where where he'd done that year away. So we were down a youth minister, and we um, the idea was that I would just stay in that until we found someone, and we didn't really find someone. So I stayed in that job for two years um, and loved the work. Um, I, I, yeah, I really am loving ministry work and continue to. Mm. But I had this real feeling that if if I want to do this long term, I need to um, get some good wells of knowledge. I need to be trained because I certainly didn't feel prepared. I didn't feel um, fully equipped. Um, but also, if, if, if ever I wanted to go into a position of leadership like a, a senior minister or even just a solo, solo minister, mm. um, I was going to need to have some kind of proper, well, not proper, some kind of official theological training, especially for ordination. Um, that's just a re- going to be a requirement. Mm-hmm. So so I was like, okay, I reckon a degree is going to need to happen. And that, that landed us on 
looking into what an MDiv or Masters of, Masters of Divinity would look like, yeah. Mm, very cool. So you then did some study at the Reform College before coming along to SMBC, all the way from, from Tassie to Sydney. Walk me through that process. That, that was a big thing, right, to move all the way here. Yeah. Live here, say goodbye to Tassie. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd only ever moved postcodes one time in my life. <laughs> Uh, for the two years before we came up to Sydney. So um, changing one number in your postcode is pretty different to changing your whole state code. Um, it was a big change for us. Mm. Um, but I did a year of study through the Reform College, which I loved. Um, they're based in, in Melbourne and they, they were doing a great job of distance education. That's kind of their niche. And they were really, really great at providing the learning online. Um, but the... The frustrations were, hey, I'm, I don't know my classmates. Um, I don't really know my teachers that well. I'm, I can email them, that, that's a bit clunky. I'm never gonna give them a call because I don't wanna put myself out like that. I don't know the guys at all. Uh, so I found that hard. Some people love it, but it was tricky for me. Um, and I also had this conviction that your, ministry, your theological training is a time to get a posse of people around you mm. that know you well and that you know well, and they can be supporting you for the rest of your life in ministry. Mm. So I was, I was pretty serious about getting uh, a good network for the next 30, 40 years by, um, by through my study at the same time. So on-campus study was going to be the way to do that. Mm. Um, and being from Tassie and thinking about a big change, I thought I want this to be as easy as possible. I want to live on campus, um, and I especially wanted that so that Caitlin, my wife, could could be um, getting a network for herself, even if she wasn't studying, that she'd be surrounded by uh, friends that would become like family to support us. And so that led us to transfer uh, from the RTC in online to SNBC in Sydney and, and make the move in February this year. Yeah. What's that? So you arrived February this year and you run into this strange bloke, myself. Yeah, Aaron with long hair. <laughs> I'm like a business fella. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and here we are, first year at, at Barber College. Um, how cool, how cool. Hey, thanks for sharing that. I want to dive a little bit deeper into what it's like to be at a Bible college. It's the reason why we've done this little mini season, just to give a bit of a snapshot for some of the people who are at the college, but also what it's like, the rhythms, the the rituals. So you're a resi student and you're an interstate resi student, so pretty big deal to pack up and, and live and, and, and move in. What's, what's your favourite thing about being a resi student? Favourite thing about... Oh, favourite thing. That's tricky. I... Um, I'm known to talk in extremes and I've got a lot of favourites. Um, I'll try and stick to at least just no more than five. But um, no, nah. one favourite I think is, yeah, the friendships. Friendships around. The community is um, pretty intense at times. Um, we, eat, we eat meals together, lunch and dinner um, with the day students as well. That, that The crew that comes in, they don't live on campus, but they'll come in during the day. Um, and yeah, I, I get to eat lunch with my mates every day. I'm sitting in class with them. They live around. Uh, it's never been easier to see friends because they live across the courtyard from me and uh, I can pop over. Um, the juggling of schedules is still a bit of a thing as we're all involved in our, our local churches. But there's also the dinner together every night where we just get to really grow together. Um, 
and and there's a really rich diversity here. Um, so I'd, I'd grown up in one church, um, never moved from Kingston Church. I did. I was born into the church. I did MTS there. I was on staff there. Um, and I haven't encountered people who think real differently to me. Um, and so now living in this community with this group of people who've been all over Australia and all over the world, and, and they've, we've kind of converged by God's grace this year together, uh, is a pretty um, pretty special mm. thing about, about campus mm. life. So you and Caitlin are living with a couple from Austria. Yeah, you know, yeah. From another part of the world. Yeah. And we have a bunch of international students. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's awesome. Mm. Yeah, and we know that um, there'll be a, a kind of a multitude in heaven of people from every nation. Um, but at SNBC, I'm getting a little taste for that mm. um, as we are seeing people as well. Another one of my peers is heading heading into the mission field at the end of the year um, to, to minister to an unreached people group. Um, mm. It's just epic to get to know these people and be praying for them and know they're praying for us too. Mm. I imagine one of the obstacles that people have in their minds when they're thinking about coming to college residentially is it's just a Christian bubble and you can't get out at all and why would I want to do that? What would you say to that? I would say it is a Christian bubble. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not going to get around that um, because the staff here are Christians and the students here um, are Christians and you're studying the Bible. So... You are, you are surrounded by this bubble, but it's possible to get out of the bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you are, if you're moving from interstate, that's especially hard. So Caitlin and I have left behind the networks of, of friends who know Jesus and friends who don't. Um, we don't really know anyone in Sydney except for a family member or two and... Um, college people I mean really as I as I rack my brains I haven't met many people and um, the college uh, life is is intense when you when you're studying full-time you got your head in the books um, but there has been some sweet moments of going to a cafe and a, and a waiter recognizes you or um, venturing out to DIY for a surf yeah venturing out <laughs> to DIY hitting the beaches and you and, and and you do, you can, you can get out of that bubble, and mm. and it's good. Um, the thing that I've found though is I'm so encouraged um, by the people around me in college and by their faith and their witness to me that when I get off campus, I'm just way more excited to tell people about Jesus mm. because I'm being encouraged. But I do need to really work at those connections off campus. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge I reckon. Mm. Yeah. Um, I admire you and Caitlin and all the people that have moved into state or from overseas as a day student myself such a big sacrifice you guys have, have made and yet you col- contribute so much culture and richness to our communities so thank you for that another big challenge I think some people face at college is that tension between you studying academically the bible and theology all the time every day and yet at the same time we obviously want to be growing in our love for Jesus on a personal level how do you manage that, just that tension between the devotional and academic side of study? Because SNBC, of course, is a world-class academic edu- in a spot. It's not just all about the devotional side, but we care about that too, don't we? Yeah, yeah, that's... You've got to learn. We're not, we're not here just to sit in silent reflection. Um, there's learning outcomes and there's assignments that need to be written. Um, 
but I have found SMBC to be really intentional and really strong on the on the spiritual formation side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think when you're at, at college, you don't need to worry too much about whether or not you'll learn anything because you're in classes all week, right? You, <laughs> you, you, you're getting lectured all the time. Um, you're, you're having to engage with the Bible heaps for your assignments and you're reading all these theologians. So you're learning heaps. Um, but the staff, um, they are so interested in how we're going and what, and what we're doing. Um, I have my lecturers not ask me um, how's your assignment going but how are you going mm. um, and and we're hearing from them we we get to hear Derek our principal preach most weeks mm. and he shares from his own life the, the journey he's been on um, yeah I know my lecturers they know me they care so and they're invested in my spiritual formation mm. so they're really understanding um, of this tension as well but SNBC also does this program called um, the Certificate of Bible and Mission, mm. and that they are compulsory classes. They're unassessed, but compulsory. So you've got to take part in them if you're a full-time student. And at times it can you can think, oh, this is this is a burden on top of my accessible classes. But I do explain it to people like compulsory dessert. Like if someone <laughs> comes to you and tells you after your roast dinner, hey you better have some pudding like you there's pudding and custard coming out and if you don't have any tell you what you you know you're in trouble it's like well uh well i want i want dessert man like i'm gonna i'm gonna have two helpings thanks for coming like Mm -hmm. these classes that are stacked on top are actually really great for for formation and for reflection um and we get chapel services that are part of that hearing Derek preach singing songs together um love seeing you play the bass Aaron um in the worship band um yeah so there's so many things that are 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 a part of the life of SNBC that really foster spiritual growth Mm. yeah Mm. so good I want to talk about what you're thinking about doing after college you're doing an incubator program with me some of the people from college who are thinking about Australia in particular, because although this is a missionary college and there are lots of people who are thinking about overseas, there are still a bunch of us who are thinking about Australia here. What are you thinking? Tassie here, talk me through where you're at with your, your process. Some people, I think, think that when you get to college, everyone knows exactly what they want to do as soon as you start studying. But the reality is, it's not the case, right? So where are you at in, in, yeah. in that part of the, the process? Well, even if you do know what you want to do, you don't know what you will do, right? <laughs> Here's me, wow. here's me wanting to be a high school science teacher. And here I am loving every minute of the, the life that God has charted out for me. But I, have, I wasn't privy to that at the time. Mm. Look, yeah, this has been a real year of growth for Caitlin and I. We, I think we originally um, started in Sydney pretty desperate to get back to Tassie um, because it was comfortable. Um, because we knew people there, because we knew the scene, because we knew the things we like to do in Tassie, um, all those things. But as we've been challenged, we've we've really seen at SNBC the need in the world um, as a whole, but also in Australia, in the country, um, in in regional areas. Um, and so that's been weighing on us. We went on a mission trip out to the Armadale area and we were just blown away by the country and, and we love that. 
Um, the one clarifying thing about moving to the inner west has been we realise we're not city people. <laughs> so we're probably not going to be doing inner city um, work. But look, we yeah, so we wanted to go back to Tassie for comfort reasons, but in this uh, incubator um, group thinking about ministry in Australia, I, I had a great conversation about fruitful long-term ministry. And, and Caitlin and I are pretty fired up about um, serving God somewhere for, for a long time. Mm. And as we as we more and more think about long-term service uh, for 20, 30, 40 years and sustainability, um, Tassie's more and more looking like that viable option for that. No longer because it's comfortable, but because we're invested in fruit over the long term. Mm. And we really think God could use us in that regional area of Tasmania. Um, but as, as I said, you know what you want to do. You don't know what you will do. Um, so we have to wait and see what God has in store for us and, and, and where we're kind of led. It's awesome, mate. It's just big encouragement for those people who are not sure what they want to do. Just to be like, you know what, you can just get here and be like, Lord, here I am and, and see what happens. See where he takes you. Mate, any key piece of advice, something I've been asking all the people that come on, any key thing that you would say to someone who's thinking about going into ministry vocationally, they're not sure if they should do it, I'm not sure what they should do, any piece of advice for them? Yeah, great question. That is a great question. I learned pretty early on to to never say to God, I will not do this thing. Because I, I, I said, oh, I don't want to be a youth leader. No, I would be a youth leader. I don't want to be a youth coordinator. Oh, no, maybe I will do that. Uh, I don't want to do MTS. Oh, maybe I will. I don't want to be a minister. Oh, maybe I will. Um, and, yeah, my encouragement would be just don't write off what God might have in store for you um, over the course of many years of growth. Um, even our five-year journey, Caitlin and I laugh often, oh, Dave, if your 18-year-old self could hear you now, um, yeah, we've done we've done some serious growing, and college has been a huge time of growth. Um, and yeah, I want to encourage you if you're listening to just to think, will I allow myself to be surprised by what God does? Mm. We are not on the the course of life that we had thought of or planned out at all, but we're not missing out. Mm. Where we have we have a really rich life. Um, and one that has not necessarily been e- the easiest, but I wouldn't change it. So, yeah, I, I just think try and keep your options open. And that's coming from someone who likes to have things tied down. I like to have to know what I'm going to do. I plan out my holidays day by day, that kind of thing. I like to have things squared off. But I've been, I've been amazed by God growing us and, and shaping us to think about being creative for, for his kingdom. Mm, mate, love it. Would you mind praying for the people listening, for wherever they're at, just praying a prayer of blessing or guidance, whatever you feel comes to mind. Is that all right? Sure, awesome. yeah, let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for the work that you do in our lives. Um, thank you so much for calling out to me and saving me um, and for bringing me on this journey, um, one that is growing to more and more desire to see um, you given glory. Thank you that this is your work. Um, And for those listening, Lord, 
we we ask that you would help them to to be discerning where to head next but also to trust in you mm. to think about what they want to do but to put in your hands what they will do um, and to to trust you in that and know that the life you have for them is a rich one and it is one um, that if they give it to you, if they give their life over to you, they won't be put to shame. The ones that trust in you will never be put to shame. Help us to grasp that, this truth uh, and live our lives by it. Amen. 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 Mate, thanks so much for coming on the S5 podcast. It's been epic. Yeah, pleasure, mate. Love it. Love it.